and I think it helped me in general about teams, like working with teams, because everybody has their job and everybody knows what you're supposed to do. When you're going to lift up a ladder with somebody else, you say, prepare to lift the ladder. Then you say together, lift the ladder, and then you do it together. So everything is like teamwork and everybody, it's really fun. It's such a great job. If there's any young people out there, get a job as a firefighter. It's just the greatest job. But I think going forward, that helped me when I worked in kind of corporate stuff, because when I was doing the event stuff, it helped with just knowing how to work as teams. Podcast Junkies, episode 298. Welcome back. I'm your host, Harry Duran. If you are new to the show, then you are definitely in the right place. If you are looking for a show where we seek out interesting voices in podcasting, folks that have been doing it for maybe six months, maybe for six years, maybe even longer, and we just want them to kick back their heels, talk about their shows and whatever else is on their mind, this is one of those conversations. I bet you can't wait to hear who it's going to be. But first, last week, we spoke to Kate Stillman. She's the founder and CEO of Yoga Healer and Yoga Health Coaching. She joined the show to talk about her work as an innovative Ayurvedic practitioner, yoga teacher, and health coach. She's the author of four books, including Body Thrive and Master of You. And in that episode, we talked about digital content marketing, positive stressor habits, what it means to be living on purpose, how she's grown as a podcaster, and one of her most exciting focuses currently, urine therapy. <laughs> Can't tell you how much fun I had on that conversation. Please check it out, Kate Stillman 297. I'm grateful for the opportunity to partner with Focusrite. I'm so excited to talk about their newest line of sound cards, the Vocaster. It's got an endless list of features. I'll go through a couple here. Auto gain, easily set your levels with the click of a button with more than enough gain on tap. 70 dB, no booster needed. An enhanced feature, which allows four podcaster approved voice presets, which will bring out the best in any voice. You can silence the mic with the touch of a mute button and record phone calls, high-quality music, or any audio from your device seamlessly. You can record to a camera directly to its memory card. It's got a loopback feature to stream calls or any other audio you can think of from your computer. And three amazing packages of software, Hindenburg Lite, three months of Squadcast Pro plus video, and six months of Acast Influencer. What an amazing package. You can learn more at podcastjunkies.com forward slash vocaster. Okay, this week we get to speak to podcast OG, friend of the show, Someone I hang out with and see in person, well, not hang out with as much as I wanted to, and that's why we had this conversation, Mike McCallan. He's the host of the Podcaster Associations, and he joins the show to discuss life growing up in California, his eclectic background outside of podcasting, which I think the teaser at the beginning gave a sneak peek about that, and how he got involved working with associations. He's on a mission to create the future of membership-based successful podcasts that get attention and that build revenue, and he's really good at it. In this conversation, we talk about our shared experiences with trauma and loss, Mike's time as a firefighter, and the power of being service to others. We just had a really genuine connection, and I really enjoyed this conversation. And it's one of the reasons why I get so excited about having these long-form conversations with my podcasting peeps. I know you're going to enjoy this one. If you do, or a past episode was one that floated your boat, what you should probably do is pause and go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash podcast junkies. I'll be sure to read those out on future episodes, and they always light up my day when I see them. If you're interested in learning about value for value and how to support your podcast heroes directly, check out the new podcast apps that support direct podcaster support at newpodcastapps.com. Okay, let's get into this conversation with Mike. Mike McCallan, founder of Podcasting for Associations and longtime friend and supporter of the show. Thank you so much for finally joining me on Podcast Junkies. 
Thank you, Harry. I'm very excited to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, I've we have a lot of mutual friends, really. And it's kind of exciting to be on this show. And I listen to it, so it's kind of like it's a great show. Do you remember how you found the show? I think I had listened to it in the past, but then we have a group of podcasters here. I run a little the California Podcast Association. We do these meetings and then Rock and Yeah, that's right. The Moreno clan they talked a lot about you right away like you were helping them like crazy when they started out which was great we have a little um mastermind group so i think that's how i heard about you but i had listened to the show before and i knew about you for a long long time and i've met you before kind of a yeah yeah it's one of those things in the community i started in 2014 and then just started to, i went to the first podcast movement and then you see people in the hallways or at the bar and then you just see the same faces and you know, we recently bumped into each other at, was it Evolutions? Yeah. 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 And I think sometimes we just take for granted, like, oh, we'll catch up or let's have a chat. And just it, the three or four days goes by and you're back home. And, you're like, and so what I've been making a more conscious effort to do is in the moment, realize like if I get, you know, if I grab 15 minutes with someone, it's probably all I'm going to get. So I just better make it as intentional as possible and just make the most out of it. And then, you know, just you realize that that's what's going to happen and the nature of conferences. Totally, totally. And I love those conferences. Like I just love going to them for a long time. And I sometimes like think I should be going to these, my businesses in the association, going to the association conferences instead of going to the podcast ones. But I always have such a good time because it's like, it's just fun seeing everybody. And I stopped, the first one I went to was like Ontario. It was like 2007. And it was like, okay fantastic like we're in this little crappy hotels and it was just all these people (laughs) and then they were i'd see people i was like fanboy of seeing like don and drew or those people from the past was like holy moly or anyway so (laughs) yeah no it's interesting is and sometimes the smaller ones are even better i always give a shout out to joe pardo i call him the hardest recommended podcasting he did mapcon for a couple years and then i I don't know if he's still doing it but what i loved about it was the intimacy of the single track i think we were at the holiday inn he bought lunch for us. And so we were just for a day, just all gathered together and all the speakers were in one room, but you get about 150 people. Ever Gonzalez does something similar with Outlier. And I think there's something nice about the intimate events. And like you said, you've been attending some of these meetups. So you are legitimate podcast OG. So <laughs> I think the first, yeah, I mean, going back to 2007, maybe eight. Yeah, it was by back way. Well, I mean, I started listening to them like with that daily source code and and the one I was thinking about you, your podcast junkies. I used to listen to podcast four one one with Rob Walsh. Oh yeah, long back then. That was like one of my favorite because kind of you find that's the only way back then you could find new podcasts. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Is he still doing that? I don't think so. Yeah, pod fading. He's very busy <laughs> with all his lips and stuff. I don't really know Rob very well. I always say hi and shake his hand, but I don't. Yeah. I don't have any, we don't have a big relationship. Though I did hire him. He's like one of the first people I hired to do some podcast stuff. I had him do some audio files. I'm completely technically not, all my business that I've done in my life has been like part of technical stuff, but I am not the techie person at all, which is kind of crappy. (laughs) I have to depend on a lot of people all the time. I mean, I know a little bit, but not a ton. And you, so when you started listening back then, when did you feel like you had heard enough that you got the bug to, to start doing your own stuff? I had a production company doing corporate events and media. So we were doing all the staging and audiovisual stuff for sales meetings mostly. 
And they would cut like 300 people from the meeting all of a sudden, like because of the budget. Like all of a sudden there was all these people. And I thought, I was listening to a podcast. I was like, well, why don't you guys record them? Then they can listen to them. And that's how I started, got into it. And then I would pitch it all the time and they would always go, no, we don't want to do that. So that's why I learned to do it. And then I had a podcast for the meetings industry for like 10 years. I did weekly. And nobody listened to it. It was like, it was purely <laughs> to just talk to people. Like if I wanted to work with Harry Durant, I would call you and, hey, you want to be on my podcast? And I literally used to tell people my podcast bought me a house because I would meet people and get business. And then you'd go to these conferences and it was like how to make money. And it was like, it's just having a podcast makes you money. Just not, anyway, that's the whole rabbit hole of no, I mean, I think that's one of the most underappreciated aspects of podcasting because I think depending when and where you came into podcasting, you immediately think of like the bigger shows, the popular shows, I got to get ads, I got to get like 10,000, 50,000 downloads before you, the CPM model starts to make sense. But what I've always told people, and this is something that obviously you know because you've done it, is this idea of you're building your own stage and you're creating this platform. We all know that if you tell someone or reach out on LinkedIn and say, hey, can I pick your brain or can we grab some coffee? And that's me doing air quotes for the listener. <laughs> that means, can I get some free consulting, please? And over time, you start to realize like how much valuable your time is. And as entrepreneurs, I'm sure you can relate to this, like there's less and less time to just dabble in stuff that we would want to do just for the heck of it. We really have to realize like, wow, we only have so much time in a day. We only have so much energy in a day to spend on projects. And the busier we are, the more that gets depleted. So the fact that you create a, you create a platform where you're like, I want to either have a relationship with this person or I want to be seen next to this person and building up my visibility in this space. Did you learn that from anyone? Or is that something that you just figured out really quickly? Like, hey, if I create this stage, that like people will come. Yeah, it was totally, I had no plan. It just happened. It was totally just happened. And it was like, I started to do it. And then it was weekly and it was just brutal. And th that was before people did seasons, which is the smartest thing in the world. I don't know why it was. Not a, I mean, I was just like, I got to get somebody on this podcast. And then actually when we first did it, it was me, an AV company guy and a third party meeting planner. So the big companies have these third party meeting planners that come in and they do all the flights in the hotel okay. for the corporate yeah. so they hired them so there's the three of us and we would do a round table talk and we talk about event stuff again nobody listened to that but it was fun <laughs> and i got to the third party guy actually i got a ton of work from him because they were like oh we need an get so it worked it was purely like i was getting it was just networking really but we used a conference call line freeconferencecall.com yeah yeah i remember that yeah, and they were our first sponsor. And I said to them, hey, you want to be a sponsor? And so they gave it to me for free. That was the sponsorship that I got yeah. to use the service. So it was really funny. But they would send me, a, I could get an MP3 from them. So we would send it out. Yeah. It was a funny way it started. And then gradually, as when you become a podcaster, then you start buying more and more crap. And then you got like all this stuff. I mean, I have like, I have all this stuff here, like microphones. And I mean, you asked me when we got on what kind of microphone I had. And I was like, oh, what do I have? Because I have like, there's microphones all over the place. Yeah. And so I'm on the SM7B. You're on Big Brother, which is getting more and more popular. And I think they really knocked it out of the park with Mike because more and more I'm jumping on. And I have the benefit of speaking to podcasters. Most of the time, everyone sounds good. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking that. Oh, yeah. Before I got on this this morning, I was like, I got to dial this thing in because I don't want to sound like an asshole. <laughs> I was literally like, and I was switched out the microphones over That's time. There was like a buzz and like, and then I had a call right before you, which was great that I could test everything out. And they were like, oh, you sound great. I was like, because normally I'll just throw on my Zoom and I'm talking into my microphone and in my computer for like normal day 
day-to-day stuff. When you've been podcasting as long as you have, there's got to be some horror stories of things that have gone wrong <laughs> with tech. So many things. You know how that goes. Like, had yeah, calls where one guy, like, somehow I had a setting on my thing, and the other person sounded like they were God, like they were, like, booming. Like, it was just, I don't know how I did that. Anyway, I've had all kinds of stuff go on with, like, just forgetting to hit record is the biggest yeah, one, right? That's the big one. <laughs> that's the big one. <laughs> Hold As we're it. speaking, I it's <laughs> funny. Have you ever done that with this show? I think I might have early on, and then I scrambled to get it started, and I have to... Naturally, I can hear a garbage truck in the background. There's always that. I remember I used to, when I lived in California, I remembered I had to change my recording days because it was, my office was near the window where like the recycling bin was on the other side and you'd hear the beeping of the truck come in. So all these little things that you don't think about, except when the moment you hit record immediately, like all the the sounds you weren't attention to that were just in the background start to become more and more apparent. They're really loud. Yeah. yeah. And it, but then you think about it, that's kind of fun too. Like when you you know, something happens. That's what podcasting is nice because you're just listening to somebody's conversation and that stuff happens in real life, right? I mean, kids run in the door and like someone bangs on the door. Yeah, yeah, I actually like, I really like it and I've come to embrace it with this show. Like when guests have an interruption, 99 times out of 100, I'll leave it in. Like a cat or a dog jumps into their lap, their kid comes in. I'm like, oh, what's your dog's name? And I'm like, this is a show where podcast, I'm talking to podcasters as a podcaster and to pretend that we live and record from a pristine radiotopia environment. It's not as much as we like to sound like we're like super pros. It's yeah, the way you introduce the show of like put your feet up and talk or whatever you say, it's like that's nice. That that's I mean, I don't Kick like back their heels, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of fun. I don't really like being on a podcast or talking. I mean, I'm not kind of <laughs> I'm outgoing like in person, but like yeah. I don't know. I just don't I don't like when like when I watched you at your great talk at Podcast Movement, I was like just so impressed cuz for me to go up and do that is just terrifying to me like, but I can walk around and talk to everybody in the whole room. I have no problem, but I don't know what they call that, but I just it's just stage fright like I just terrified. Once I'm up, I'm fine, but Yeah, some of it is public speaking. Yeah. Do you get like that? Are you like the night before like are you like, worried about it? Are you? Yeah. Cause I just freak out and I'm like, my wife's always like, would you stop? Like, it's just, no one's going to kill you. You're just going to go talk. Like, yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Anyway. What was funny is I gave the talk at the evolutions and I gave a version of it recently at Podfest. So shout out to Chris Kermitzos. I kudos to anyone who's in the event business because it just in this day and age, I mean, they had a lot of last minute cancellations with COVID and then a lot of people got COVID after the conference. And so you never know like what it's going to be. And even if you sell tickets, that doesn't guarantee that people are going to show up. So my talk was on the last day and it was in like in a corner room. And I was like, well, who's going to find this? But it was interesting because when I first showed up, there was like nobody in the room and I'd gotten the time wrong because of the I'm in Central and we were in Eastern. So I was like, oh, okay, maybe. So now people showed up later. And then there was like a couple of people in the room. By the time I was done, you know, it was a good 20 people, 20 to 30 people. And then they videotape it as well. So I think I've always been of the mindset when I speak that I just want to affect one person. Like I just want one person to get value from it. And I'm glad to hear that you got value from it at Evolutions. And just not overthinking it because my partner, Natalie, was just like, hey, like, it's okay. Like, <laughs> and you start to sweat. And then I went down. I didn't have my HDMI cable. And I was like, ah, you know, I had to run back to my room. <laughs> and I'm always thinking about in hotels. I'm like, why is the AC blasting so hard? I'm always freezing in these hotels because it's so cold. And I realized then 
That's why. Because I was, I was starting to sweat, and I was like, I was really happy that the AC was <laughs> Yeah. It's just to keep people awake. I think that's why they do that, don't they? Just yeah, to keep people, people awake, awake in general. Yeah. Your whole talk was so fantastic to me because I had heard somewhere in the past, like, go on Amazon and find the most popular things and then do a podcast about that. And then you can sell ads, like look and see how many, po- I mean, I don't remember when I heard this, it was years ago, maybe, but it was like, but then you picked something that was like, not at the top of probably anything. I no knock on vertical farming, but I don't think there was like, it's topping any, anything anywhere on like Amazon, but maybe it isn't. I don't know. I don't know. No, nothing you'll find on. (laughs) Yeah. What's interesting is, and for the benefit of the listener, I think it's some of it may be public. I'll check on podcast movement evolutions if people can buy the, the recording, but I did get a lot of positive feedback. And the short version is essentially I stumbled onto vertical farming in 2020. And then I, I read a book on it and then I started interviewing just CEOs and founders to make it a high profile stage. We talked about this earlier, this idea of creating a stage. And then I got a sponsor before the show even launched, which was funny because there was no conferences going on. I'd simply asked the question, like, what do you usually pay for a booth? And he's like $20,000. And this is a marketing person. They think in marketing dollars. I used to work at JP Morgan Chase and E-Trade in marketing departments. And they would tell you at the end, if you don't use it, you lose it. So this was all, I was kind of piecing together all these ideas. And thankfully the show has been now in its fifth season. It's, I've had a sponsor every season. I think of a season as quarters. So it's thir- 13 weeks. And so I'm glad to hear that you got value from it as well. Yeah, no. And that's my pitch to my clients at the associations. It's like, how much are they paying for that booth to get the ears of your members for three days or something? Here you get it all year round. It's like you can charge them some money and especially whatever the association is about, they can really make some money. Who cares about the CPM crap? It's like, hey, you got a really niche, you know, you heard that, a niche audience. It's like, that's gold. Yeah, totally. I really did enjoy your talk. Thank you for that. (laughs) Yeah, it's really well done too. And I'm not just blowing smoke up your ass, Harry. I really did enjoy it. Yeah, it was great. I appreciate that. So are you born and raised in California? Yeah. Yeah. I live in Oakland, California right now. Okay. And where'd you grow up? 20 years. I grew up on the peninsula, Burlingame, okay. Hillsborough area. And you said you lived in California? Before? I lived in, yeah, I lived in LA in Silver Lake for four years. So that was a good time. Yeah, that's funny because I run this the California Podcast Association, which is a meetup group here in, in the Bay Area here. We did meetings everywhere. And I was, I thought about like, I wanted to do them in LA too. And I was like, I thought about you. And then I was, I think I asked Rock that, like, where, isn't he down there? And he's like, no, he lived, moved to yeah. Minneapolis, <laughs> Minneapolis. Yeah. Yeah, and you're like, what's he doing there? What did he move there for? Isn't it cold there? It is. It is MFN cold here. Man. Why did you it's move like there? My partner Natalie's from here, and she her family's here, and she's a photographer. And you, uh, she does a lot of times at the podcasting event. She does the headshots, so she's got a, she's met a lot of the folks and our mutual friends in the space as Very well. Cool. I know you did some work at UC California Berkeley as well. Yeah, I did work with them for a while. That was really fun going back to college working on a college campus. It was <laughs> fantastic. It's so much fun being around the energy of kids. Is well, kids, yeah, younger people, it's just fantastic. I helped them with. Is it? Go ahead. No, I was going to ask like, what it was like, like introducing, like, because podcasting is sometimes it's very corporate now, but there's a bit of a Wild West aspect to it early on. And there was no like curriculum. There's, and I think people that were early on who had connections with schools and universities had an opportunity to just introduce it and tell people all about it. And I, and I imagine that, that was your experience. Well, they, I worked for the Graduate School of Journalism at UC Berkeley, and I was hired to help them put together a business for their podcasting because they have a studio there. And then, like, I'm, God, I'm blanking on the people's names. So I want to say, like, what's his name? Israel, 
Ezra Klein. Is that his name? Oh, it's Recline. Okay. Ezra Klein. He does. There's all these like famous people that do their podcasts out of that. And I'm blanking on all their names, of course. What's the guy? Oh, cool. Anyway, it's just they have all these. Oh, God, I'm, I'm blowing it now, but I can't remember any of the names of people. Okay. But they're all these like lefty people. You know, I live in the liberal Bay Area here, and in Berkeley is the liberalist of liberal places. All the people that are the liberal people do their podcasts out of this studio, and they had no branding. They had nothing. It was just this little hole in the ground at Berkeley. And it was fascinating. So I was like helping them like, hey, you guys should be alone in the school with all the stuff that's going on in the school. You see, they could do all the podcasts. People could start doing podcasts out of the studio. And they also were the ones that did all the TV work. So it was like if you were going to be on TV, they somehow – they had the little studio for that. So they would interview people on channel, okay. whatever, would come sit in there and be interviewed. Anyway, so I was hired to put that business together for them. That's what was that experience like? They have another arm that does school. They teach podcasting and it's journalism, all for journalism. So it was like, what's the guy who does the daily in the morning for New York Times? Like you'd be in there and there'd be somebody be walking through like, just like, isn't that so-and-so? Or, you know, Michael Pollan worked there and like, you know, just like, oh, nice. just wild people. That's cool. There. Yeah, it, it was really cool. And when it ended, I was so bummed. It was a contract job. So bummed because it was just so much fun to go to, like I said, to go hang out at the school. Like, so now I'm here in my basement at my house again. <laughs> what was life like growing up in California? It was great. Yeah. I had a really good upbringing. I have no sob stories. It was just really great. My parents are awesome. My family now is great. Were you a typical California surfer or skateboarder? Or? <laughs> I did a lot. I'm, as you know, I'm nine feet tall. So I was like the surf. I have a longboard. I still go surfing. We oh, went nice. yeah, Monday. We went out. I'm terrible at it. I can catch waves, but it was fun. I have a five-year-old daughter who keeps me very busy. It's kind of a long story how she showed up on the scene because I am, for the listeners, I am an older first person. I'm not older, but I, I am 56, I think. <laughs> anyway, but I have a five-year-old daughter and that's, she's kind of changed our lives of um, activity. A lot of activity going on. A lot of times <laughs> the beach, a lot of the park stuff. That's so. good. It keeps you on your toes. keeps you healthy. Yeah, it does. It keeps me tired all the time. Yeah. And was Fast Times at Ridgemont High, was that actually an accurate depiction of, of what life in California was like? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm from Northern California. Okay. So the water's cold and like, it's a little different. You know the difference, Harry, from Northern California to LA. Totally. <laughs> Yeah, it was good. It was really great. Yeah, I have just all fond memories of growing up here. Then I went up to Chico, for, which is up north, for college. And then I went to a fire academy, and I was a fireman for a long time. Interesting. So I did that for years, yeah. What made you want to do that? I had a degree in sociology out of college, and then I thought, I mean, I always, I just decided to become a fireman. It was just pretty cool to, everybody likes firemen. And if you have your uniform on and you talk to a girl, her clothes fall off immediately. <laughs> Did you ever make it to uh, the those fireman hunk calendar? <laughs> no, not at all. You've seen me. I mean, <laughs> that's funny. No, it was really fun, and I really enjoyed it. And I would still be doing it, but I broke my leg on a fire really badly, and oh, wow. so I shifted gears and went to work. God, I have a. I can't hold a job. First of all, very well. A fireman job, I held it. That was a really great job. How long did you have that? I did it for about ten years. Wow. And then I broke my knee. What's your fondest memory of being a fireman? I think like the first week I got hired, I was in Carson City, Nevada. I worked for the Nevada Division of Forestry, which has, it's a multifunctional department. Ooh, forest so we fires, had, wow. Well, we had structure engines. So we actually did city firefighting and we had wildland stuff and we had a helicopter. Plus the hot shots were out of us. So we would go on, it was the best place to have your first job because we did everything. So the first week there, 
I'm from California. I'm from San Francisco. So I'm gay to all of them right away. There's no, you know, they're all like, even though they're, my girlfriend drives me up there and they're like, oh my God, why does she like a gay guy? I'm like, okay, I'm not gay just because I'm from San Francisco. So the necks are very red there in Carson City, Nevada, where I got my first job. Happy Pride Month, by the way. It is June. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was just like, come on, guys. Anyway, like one of the first couple of calls, they're all like, you drive. So I'm in this big fire engine do they train you on that in like the school well i had been driving trucks and stuff before so i could drive like i had you know i've driven all kinds of crap but i could drive it and we drive but then you know i'm in this freaking fire truck driving down the middle of carson city and they're all go on the other side you need to go down and the cars are coming at me they're all pulling out of the way i don't know my way around there at all isn't there a guy in the back like helping you with the no that's a truck a fire truck has the uh, ladders and stuff in it and a fire engine has the water in it like so the truck is for like cutting down, cutting holes in roofs and stuff. That's all the trucky guys. And I was on this engine and we're racing over. We pull up and there's a guy on the sidewalk and he had had a heart attack and I jump out and they're all like, you do compressions. And I'm like thinking in my head, what did it say in the EMT book? Like, I'm like, (laughs) you know, I've done it on dummies before. Oh man. And so I did a first compression and I broke all his ribs. Like I just went, and immediately I felt like I was going to throw up. Right. And they're like, keep pumping. And I was pumping away. And then the ambulance came and then they took the guy away. I'm kind of speeding the story up because, but they took him away in the ambulance. And the two guys that were on my engine with me, they went off with them in the, so I'm in this engine by myself and I don't know where I am in Carson City. And the chief is with us and he's all, just follow me back to the station. So I'm following him there and he started talking on the, on his radio. They didn't have cell phones back then. And he just took off. I couldn't keep up with him. Oh my God. So I'm like, I'm basically lost in this fire truck <laughs> on my first week driving through Carson City. And I kind of knew where I, and then I went to the station. It wasn't that far away. And I found it. And then I was like, oh, I got to back this thing in. And they give you no room on each side of the fire trucks. I don't know why they do that. Why don't they build those things bigger? Maybe they do now. But I backed it in and the guys were out front and they were just laughing at me, like just laughing, openly Hazing. laughing at me. And I back up the engine to the thing and I realized the lights are still on on top of the fire truck. So I had driven back through town at normal speeds with the lights on. It was just the most embarrassing thing. So that's my only, I don't know, you could cut this out of this whole thing. There's nothing Not to do with at all. This is already one but, of the highlights of the interview. Yeah. So. <laughs> So anyway, that was like my experience there. And it was fantastic because I did work on the helicopter and I did... The helicopter that drops like the water? Yeah. yeah, yeah. We did water drops, but mostly they would drop us out. So we'd fly. There was mostly lightning strikes there in the Sierra. So we would drive, you know, it's on the other side of Tahoe, Carson City. So we'd, they'd drop us off in the middle of nowhere. And then we would just start digging line, you know, around a fire. Then the troops would come behind you and they the inmates would come. We worked with lots of inmates and who are fantastic people, actually. I mean, they're their inmates, but they were like, usually people on those crews are really great because they're like, they've been on the same crew for 10 years. And the guys who run those crews don't want to work with guys that are assholes. So they just have all guys that are really cool guys because they'll, if you're not, then you're not on there. So anyway. I think what strikes me about that experience is it feels like one of those professions where you learn to develop a lot of trust. There's a bit of a brotherhood or I don't know what the proper term for it it is now, but there's so much riding on the line that you have to know that the person you're with has your back in these extreme situations. Yeah. And I think it helped me in general about teams, like working with teams, because everybody has their job and everybody knows what you're supposed to do. When you're going to lift up a ladder with somebody else, you say, prepare to lift the ladder. Then you say together, lift the ladder, and then you do it together. So everything is like teamwork and everybody, it's really fun. It's such a great job. If there's any young people out there, Get a job as a firefighter. It's just the greatest job. But 
I think going forward, it helped me when I worked in kind of corporate stuff because when I was doing the event stuff, it helped with just knowing how to work as teams. Like at an event, when you see those big events, you're sure. running an event. People are running the sound and the, it is a teamwork. You have to be together. Someone is the captain who is calling the show in the back there and that back little. So anyway, I think it's helped me along knowing that I the team members that I have now with my, I only hire people that I get along with and that are really hard workers and I pay them right away. And I just, I want to keep good people. So that kind of, we all know our jobs, systems. Did you feel like your life was in danger? I think you don't really think it's a weird thing because I'm terrified all the time. You're going into a fire, you're terrified, but it's like you have kind of a job to do. So you're just kind of concentrating on that job. So you have to go in. I mean, I don't want to say it was like backdraft was my life. Like I was at Carson City. There wasn't like giant buildings that were crawling around in a fire. I wasn't pulling out. I was on a lot of fires and did a lot of stuff, but it was like you were thinking about your training. Like, what do you need to do next? What's next? What am I supposed to be doing? Hey, go do this. Cut a hole in the roof. Do There's all these. I don't. You fall back on your training, right? Yeah, it's all about training, just all the time. Training and, and checking equipment is like, seems like what you do all the time. Like, you're just like, every morning you're starting up every single thing on that truck. And this is very, must be very boring for people who are interested in podcasting. It's like the fire cast. No, I'm saying that. <laughs> no, it's fascinating because I'm, from the day I started the show, I remember I was inspired by Inside the Actor Studio with James Lipton. And I'm like, I would watch it and I'd be like, oh, this is cool. Like, I just know this person as an actor. Like, it's just his face on a screen. Through this hour-long conversation, I'm sort of like getting to know them as a human being and understanding that there's more to them than just being an actor. And, and I think that was part of the inspiration. I've talked about it several times for starting this show, just sort of like inside the actor studio, but podcasters, like behind the stories behind the mic. Like, podcasters are just always looking to give their best or their best voice forward, right? So they're, they're presenting themselves and they want to be this like Ira Glass, <laughs> like Terry Gross vibe. But I think that's why I've been showing all the bumps and, and bruises along the way that normal podcasters go through. But also the, what makes you special about what you do is not the fact that you can turn on a microphone and just start going talking to people because anyone can do that. It's the fact that you have like this life, rich life history. And when you talk about like the event coordination and when you talk about like the podcasting work that you do or even building your team or hiring this experience you had as a fireman, it, there's no way that that's not going to color like who you are as a human being and how you think about like what you want to do for lack of a better term, what legacy you want to leave here when you're gone, like make the world a better place than when you arrived. Yeah, it's interesting. Even what you're doing is kind of like when I started the podcast meetups here, that was exactly it was like, I just want to meet the other people and have that tribe. As you know, when you go to these events, these people are like, everybody's very similar, but they're very different. And you've had a lot of the people in our group on this podcast, like Jen Briney and Drew Ackerman, of course, the Squadcast guys, all these people are like, they all are been on your show. It's fun to, but then you get to meet them there. Like, as you said, intimate, it was just like, it's fun to be able to have that time to find out who these people are. The dinosaur people, Garrett and Sabrina, they come all, they're fantastic people. Yeah, they were just on. They're so cool. Yeah, they're so cool and they're so nice. Like, just you meet these people. They're so nice. They work so well together. Oh, they're so cute and they're so nice and they're so smart. They're like everything I'm not. You know, it's just. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make sure we link back to that episode too. I had a lot of fun speaking to those guys. Yeah, they've done so well. Who else is at the meetup that I should be speaking to? 
Well, Zach and Rock are there all the time. Oh, you well, you've talked to them a million times. I don't. Geez, there's so many different. Okay. People. Well, you can let me know later. I mean, all kinds fine. of things. I'll, I can send you a list of people. There's a lot of really fun. It's neat when you get in those groups. Like when you go to the conference, like a Podfest or Podcast Movement. It's like these people have this crazy different. I mean, Drew's putting people to sleep. Who whatever he does live shows. I haven't been keeping up with him. How's he doing? He's doing great. He's doing great. I haven't talked to him in a little while. It's been a month or so, but. I have starting those meetings up again coming up, but we lost our place we did it in because of COVID. We did it in this, it was a co-working space. In fact, Zach and Rock worked out of there. They were working Squadcast yeah, out of yeah, there. Yeah, that's right, I remember. It was Studio To Be and it had journalists and podcasters. It was a coolest, an old Oakland downtown. It was so cool, but it closed. And then I used to do them too at the library, the Oakland library. But it's nice to have booze and stuff there too, which we could have at the other place instead of the library. You really can't bring wine and stuff into the, so it makes people kind of lose it up. <laughs> But we've had a lot of different people. So how did you get it? All the people like for 99% Invisible and Stop Judgment and all the Oakland. Yeah, you know, we have a big, we have a lot of podcast people around here. Art it's 19 a rich people, history, rich podcast Pandora's history, there. Yeah. We had Patreon people come and speak. Like we've had all kinds of. Nice. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. So you're going to look to start to bring those back online? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were doing them online with the COVID, but it just wasn't the same thing. And I, yeah, it just didn't work very well and it's interesting i'm gonna have a chat with you offline later just since i'm new to minneapolis it's almost like you create the own experience that you want to have and that's probably part of the reason why you're like hey i want to meet other podcasters in person talk to them like you did with the podcast the meeting podcast you're like i'm gonna start a meetup and then i'm just gonna build the community that doesn't exist or that i want to be a part of yeah there's like 500 members i mean it's a meetup group so it's not that many but we would get like 30 40 people but it started with three people in front of starbucks and then it moved to the library and then then i was doing them all over the bay area down south and and then we had like an east coast west coast thing with east bay the san francisco guys and we were and the squadcast guys now have that group now okay in the san francisco those old guys gave it but they didn't like me because i started this group and it was like this whole thing <laughs> it was really cool because we had this kind of thing going where they were i'd see them at the podcast movie and they wouldn't talk to me and i thought that was funny like the bloods and the crips yeah it was totally like that <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, any tips you have? Because there's folks listening, not just in smaller cities that don't have communities. What advice would you give for someone who's looking to start an association? Is it just do it? I start to overthink like locations and stuff. So Yeah, that's the hard part. That's been my holdup now for starting them up again is that the location, like, because there's, it's, and the COVID stuff. I live in an area that's very, again, liberal area, not liberal, but everybody's kind of, in my travels with my associations going to their on-site events, this, we've been doing a ton of those. You get off the plane somewhere else and there's nobody with a mask anywhere. Here, they're like, you see them hiking in the mountains and they got masked, double masked up up there. It's kind of like, come on, guys. It's like, anyway, but it's been hard to find a place to do it. So I'm kind of still looking around. The co-working spaces seems like it would be a good idea because if you partner with them, they get the traffic, they get the visibility, they can probably... I agree. There's a couple of new ones that opened up here in town. So that's... Not that I need another project or I need another thing to do, but it is yeah. something that'll get me you out of the do house. do a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was the thing with starting this was that I know as a podcaster, you're sitting in your closet or whatever recording and you don't get out. And this was just like, hey, come out and see somebody talk about something or just have a networking thing, which is fun. I recommend doing it. I can't wait kind of to do it again. It's kind of a pain in the ass, but it's just like, it's so fun to meet all these people. I've made all these friends. Yeah, maybe we can do some cross promo and then uh, you can like squadcast remote in and just kind of talk to <laughs> our yeah. group. And then when we start to get it off the ground, so. Yeah, yeah. We started streaming them too, which the live things, we kind of streamed them too. Oh, really? It was kind of a fun thing to do. Because, you know, with like stream, 
what is it? StreamYard? What's the one? StreamYard, yeah. StreamYard, yeah. It was just so easy. I could plug it in. And- We've got to talk to the Squadcast folks about doing adding some more streaming capabilities so we can get that branded as well. <laughs> yeah. Those guys are smart dudes, like smart guys, those two guys. I always feel like I need to provide a disclaimer. I am their founding advisor, but been working with them. I worked with them when I met them in 2016 for about a year. I was just so impressed with what they put together and still continue to be with what they've they've got version five coming out now which is going to be really nice game changing so that's going to be fun to see yeah, yeah they are just the two of them the whole family is like yeah smart people <laughs> it's kind of they're really nice guys those rock and zack is who i know the best i don't know the other people i've met all of a lot of them are you going to nashville i mean not nashville uh, texas i'm not sure yet i'd like to i would like to yeah, but too. it is like it's just hard to get to them all because i went you to, that, to pile up i was working in las vegas for one of my clients and then when the podcast movement app was going on and i was like i'm gonna i left the client to go out to go to it i just like i'm gonna go oh, that's funny it was really fun like yeah since i was close enough to drive over like really fun i had a great time it is hard to keep up and now there's the podcast show in london which i've heard a lot of good stuff about and it was the same time as podfest so i'd make it but i already spoke to them they're going to do it at the same time next year. And Chris Kremitzos from Podfest is trying to move it back to the February, March timeframe when he normally would do it. Oh, they're the same time. Yeah. Well, now he's Podfest was normally in March, late Feb and March, which is fine because when you're in Minneapolis, the first place you want to do is just get out <laughs> during winter. So hopefully for next year, he moves it back. But I just love connecting. And at some point, if you've thankfully, my partner's supportive of the podcast, she's got a podcast as well. So I think it's interesting but I can't imagine if only like one partner in the relationship is into podcasting and there's not. And you're like, another conference? Really? <laughs> yeah. That's not, doesn't fly very well around here. And when you go to PodFest, I've been to PodFest, but it's, you know, going to Orlando from here is a long haul. And yeah, that's a long haul. I'm not a big fan of Orlando anyway. It's just, I've been, we, when I was in the events business, we were there all the time. Oh, I'm sure. There in Vegas, like for all these conferences. Moving into like this associations, podcasting for associations, like how did you stumble into that? Because you now it's almost like a specific expertise and you work with like dentistry associations and pediatric. <laughs> like, how did you get into that? Like, how did that happen? Well, it was because of my events stuff. I worked with associations putting on their annual events. So I had clients that did that. And I really found I really liked working with associations more than corporate stuff. They're really nice. People in associations are really nice and they usually have small teams. So it worked out nicely. That's how I got into it. And do they have budget? Because a lot of times people think about associations, they're just like all bootstrapped and they don't well, have funding. Well, we work, I work with them. No, some of them have gobs of money, like gobs. And it's like, but the one thing which we talked about a little bit earlier was that they do have a way, kind of the system that I've come up for them is to get money before they do anything, before they hit record, before they talk about it, is to start talking, you know, a topic course, search. Yeah. So it was kind of, I got it from that, what's his name, Eric Newsom's book. Newsom, did you read that book? Oh yeah, Make Noise. Yeah. Oh, fantastic book. I love that Make book. Make Noise, yeah. yeah. And he had this topic thing and I like, oh my gosh, so we kind of morphed that into them talking to the members, then they talk to the influencers, and then they go talk to the sponsors Say, hey, we're going to do this show. Yeah, what smart. do you think we should do? So you get them on board. It's just that's how you build it up. But maybe get the sponsorship before you do anything. So if so, they're all all of my clients are making money, which is kind of crazy. Well, that it keeps them podcasting too. It's so smart because I think the challenge with a lot of the, all of our colleagues in the space, and this is something I learned early on with publishing and having an agency and producing. Like it's nice, but at some point I have a higher price point. And so, you know, you start shelling that out month over month and you're getting like 50 downloads an episode. (laughs) You're going to start doing the math on that and be like, "Uh, I don't think this is going to be helpful. Yeah, it's interesting 
way of doing podcasting with the associations, but it is, they do have, they are the leaders in their niche or they should be. And this is part of them, them becoming the leader in that, whatever it is, like you were saying, like whatever the dental one we have, we have several different associations. We do have a lot of dental associations and that kind of snowballed just because Harry, it's been like, I kind of, I don't know if I, I never have gotten any work from my website. It's always been referrals. Like, it's kind of like, I don't know how to get, and it seems like that's what's just happening. We're just getting referrals from clients. It's just like, oh, use these guys. And so it's been worked out nicely. I'm very blessed to have the clients I have. And I do need more clients. Yeah, when you're seen as the guy, you want to be known as the person who does the one specific thing really, really well. Yeah. I suppose, because then you're like, oh, you want to, you're an association and you want a podcast. Yeah, you need to speak to Mike. Like, they've been doing it forever and they know what they're doing, so. Yeah, it is. But we're still doing proposals. And then it reminds me of the event proposals where you would do the whole show in their proposal and then they wouldn't hire you, but you've already spent $10,000 doing this RFP. I had that now. Those are starting to come down the pipe where I'm getting these. It takes me a week to do this proposal. It's like, because they want to know all about the company information and stuff. So I did a couple of those, but I just don't find that I ever get those jobs because it's like more referrals. Anyway. Yeah, it's interesting because obviously when I had my agency since 2015 and just I'm like, I'll go B2B agency. And I'm just like the more and more you have companies coming into the space who would be marketing and they're moving into B2B podcasts. And I'm like, whoa, these guys have been doing it for like 20, 30 years. And then it's hard to compete with those folks. And it's hard to differentiate because you're just like now they're just looking at pricing sheets like, well, you guys look like you do the same thing, but they're cheaper. And then you're competing on price and you don't want to do that. So I think I've been grateful to just time in my life where things have been, I've been working with different coaches and just expanding like my connection to my spirituality. And I was like, well, there's a lot of folks in the, like the consciousness awakening space that are doing really good work and they have like, they're being successful. They have successful businesses and they want to do a podcast. And I love that topic. I'm expanding my own spirituality practice. And so listeners or folks that have been on my LinkedIn and Twitter, he just will see that it's a complete shift, like probably over the last six to 12 months of just like, I want to repel people as quickly as I attract them yeah, and saying, Hey, I look, agree. if you want, this awesome. is the space that I work in. This is like my vibe. And if you want to talk all that stuff about like all spirituality topics, and I'm your guy, I can speak to that because I've gone down those rabbit holes, but just in private. And I think there's something to be said for just letting people know what you stand for. And I think a lot of people are wary of that and scared of that because it's like, ah, oh, like, I don't know if I should tell people what I really believe. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot more has that come out through this whole pandemic and stuff too. I know my wife totally. left her job and she's now a yoga instructor and she's very much into oh, spirituality nice. and she's doing, she teaches classes now and it's like, it's, she has a lot, it's a big shift. I mean, the mental health stuff and like, yeah, I see a therapist big. now, which I never did before. And it's really been helpful. Like I learned it from another podcaster too, was like talking about it. And I just was like, I got to do that. So it's helped me. I recommend anyone to getting therapy. It's just so great. Just to have somebody to talk to. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. And just for folks that haven't been keeping I guess up. that's not spirituality though. No, but that's mental health. I yeah, mean, I yeah, yeah. started seeing a therapist years ago and my partner and I see one and which is, and obviously during COVID, it was extremely helpful. I think I come from a Latino background. So there's also that also not stigma, but just you kind of like keep your thoughts to yourself. You don't really talk about your feelings and it's been a challenge for folks that are like, quote unquote, old school, like, oh, you don't talk about this stuff in public. And I think I'm 51. And I want this to be like the normal that if you can't figure it out all yourself, and you can't possibly diagnose something like internally that you need that perspective of someone who's outside and seeing, oh, have you thought that maybe 
you know, I had an older sister that passed when I was like six. And you can't not say that that had an effect on me and my a core belief that I have about like how I was processing like energetic trauma, like from a child's perspective. <laughs> And I carried it. And that's why I like, sometimes I'm like confrontation and things like that. And I'm like, oh, when she unpacked that, there was a moment where I'm just like, whoa, like I didn't put the pieces together. And that's what they're really, really good at. So obviously I'm like 1000% like a proponent for seeking therapy and try different ones. You may not find the right one in the first one, but you need to talk about this stuff with someone because keeping it bottled in is not healthy. No. And I had particularly, we did, had a particularly hard COVID thing my daughter died she was 31 she had problems she was homeless and addicted to drug but she died which was a nightmare and then one of my best friends died of covid so it was really hard as well yeah just brutal like brutal my daughter of course was the most brutal thing in the world to happen and that's how we have our five-year-old is that it's hurt we adopted her a couple weeks after she was born. Anyway, that's a whole other podcast, but it's like it, the therapy has helped immensely. Like just to be able to talk to somebody about this stuff that's, sorry, I didn't mean to bring the podcast down completely. It's hard to, to no. have that conversation <laughs> about stuff. It's like There's no every topic. Time, yeah, I mean, it's just like, yeah, it's just a nightmare. We have to talk about these things, Mike, because there's going to be one person listening that thinks they came in to learn about like podcasters and then has this nagging thing about that they've been rolling around their head. And then it just could be that one trigger. And that's why I just love pulling like a bunch of different threads and just seeing where the conversation goes and just organically like let it unfold and not having any rules about like, we don't have to talk about condenser mics or <laughs> versus dynamic yeah, mic. This yeah. is not a technical show. This is not podcasting tech. Like this is just like the reality of like human beings who just happen to be podcasters. Yeah, and the podcasting it. is so fantastic because it is people like you're on a fly on a wall and you are listening to a conversation. Someone right now is walking down the road, walking their dog, listening to this. And it's like, it's just important. I, I don't know. It's just the real human stuff is nice to get away from all this crazy world that we're living in right now. <laughs> it's, you know. What do you think you learned kind of like your values? I think it was before we started recording, but you mentioned that you had a break-in we had a break <laughs> in, in your yeah. garage. Yeah, you want to tell a little story about that? My garage is, I ran my business out of, I had a beautiful office that looked over San Francisco and I was late on my payment one day. Anyway, that's a long story. But anyway, I decided I'm going to go home and I turned the little room that's off the side of my garage into my office, put a glass, sliding glass door in. This is the only room in the house. I'm in it right now. It's right next to the garage, but we have a dog door in the side of the garage that the dogs can come in and out and the cats. We have all these animals at our house. And they come in and out. But we put together these homeless packages, my daughter and I, my five-year-old, and it's kind of about my older daughter. It's kind of like when you drive around, you see someone homeless, I think of my daughter that had passed. So, and it's her mom, her biological mom, I'm her dad. But anyway, we made these packets for the homeless people that we keep in the truck and we hand them out and give them around. But there's all this bars in there and stuff like fig bars and all kinds of little bars and food. And, but a raccoon broke in last night to my office through the dog door and destroyed my office and ate them all up. So it was just <laughs> kind of, and I don't know where the dogs were. We have these big dogs. Where the heck were they? They're not doing their job here. They're supposed to be protecting us. But <laughs> well, raccoons are no joke. I mean, like, have you ever seen that Kevin Rose video from like five or six? Kevin Rose is like friends with Tim Ferriss. There's yeah, yeah, this yeah, yeah, one yeah. viral video of like one time he had an apartment that had stairs going down to a gate and his raccoon got in 
and attacked his dog and he saw it he flipped out it was all on the security camera he runs down he grabs the raccoon and like flings it like over the really? gate <laughs> yeah we'll track that down it was amazing it was that moment where just like you don't think you just respond yeah and, it's funny raccoons are amazing too to live around here like yeah you live and in a scary city, there's raccoons running around i had them they knocked over our garbage can too one night months ago long like years ago actually and I was up in my, and I looked down, I'm all like, what the hell? And I run down, there's three raccoons, and I run out, open up the garage door, and I run out, and they just stood up and hissed at me. And I was all, oh, and then I was thinking, you know, where are my dogs again? And I, come on, like, get these things out of here. And the dogs ran down and saw them and stopped, and then just turned around and went back inside. They're not going to screw with them. This is, I have a mastiff. I mean, the dog is huge. <laughs> and when I lived in LA, I had a dog, his name was Disco. Regular listeners might remember him, but he was around for 15 years. And we had a patio and we would let him out in the patio. And he was a Yorkie, so seven pounds. And then one day, like I turned and he wasn't out, but I turned and I looked outside the screen door and there was a raccoon there just staring at me. And it was like, I mean, it was like probably 10 pound raccoon. Like it was a big, it was bigger than my dog. Their claws, they're just like, yeah, what, rabies. Like, you don't want to mess with them because it was, and then like, after that, I was all nervous always about having my dog. I just have to keep an eye on him. So, <laughs> They'll chew that. They would have chewed them up <laughs> pretty quickly. But it was there's weird because... Go ahead. Sorry. Okay. No, it's just LA life. There's, there's also coyotes too. <laughs> yeah, that's scary. We have one huge raccoon around here that doesn't have a tail. And it looks really weird when it walks because you're used to seeing the tail behind it. It's like it's giant and it walks around. It's very scary. It looks like an alien. All right. Great podcast talk, huh? <laughs> Yeah, so I think we covered all the bases, uh, random jobs, podcasting, <laughs> raccoons, giving back. Is it? Do you feel like you're kind of like when you think about your calling in life and like where all the different things and the things that life has thrown at you, like how it's molded you into the person that you are now and how do you feel about where you are? And, and I'm just asking you because one, there's something that weird that happens in your 50s that you're more conscious and thinking about the journey and conscious and thinking about like not only your impact, but like making better choices and living a better life. And I'm just wondering as we wrap up, like what, how your thoughts are around that. Totally. Like it's just kind of the service thing is like, that's the happiness things when you're serving other people in general. Just like, I mean, I wish I had learned that much earlier. The podcast group, you see that I hand out these homeless packets. It's like helping people is just really, it's really the way to be happy. I mean, that's me generalizing everything, but I don't think making money, like I went through where I made a lot of money, but I never was happy. It's like, now I'm happy. And I think when you reach your 50s or whatever, it's like, if you kind of like, okay, I could be working my ass off and making a lot more money. But then again, I'd like to spend some time with my family and have some time to talk to Harry, that kind of thing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'd be remiss if I almost forgot the, our closing questions. What's something you've changed your mind about recently? Oh, geez. What's something I've changed my mind about recently? Oh my gosh, that's good. I don't know. What have I not Oh, I'm drawing a blank completely. That's okay if you think about something that comes back to you. <laughs> so the second question is, what's the most misunderstood thing about you? I'm not really that tall, I guess. I have lifts <laughs> in my shoes. I think, I don't know if there's like, I don't really know what anybody thinks about me, kind of. I think I've gotten to the point now where I'm not really like, I don't know if I have like, I'm not really in the eye of people so much. I think someone told me recently that I'm scared. I think it was Tom Webster said, you know, you're very scary. And I was all, <laughs> what? Like, I'm not scary. Like, but I guess I am so kind of big, imposing person. But yeah, inside, I'm really wanting to be nice. But if I don't have a smile on my face, I guess I scare people. But it was kind of that was something I didn't realize that I have to keep a smile on my face or I'm scaring people. For the record, how tall are you? 
I'm like six five. Okay. I'm not as tall as Lipson guy. What's his the guy tall? Oh, Rob uh, Rob Greenlee. He's really tall. Like, you guys should I do some. You guys should have a one on one basketball tournament. <laughs> you and Rob Greenlee. A couple of old guys <laughs> trying to play basketball. Yeah. <laughs> do you remember when you hit your growth spurt? Yeah. It was sophomore year in high school. I had to go to a special school for a year. For we won't talk about that. But I came back and for I played basketball. Kids? I played basketball in college, and I came back and I was like, I had grown a foot, and I could dunk the ball like crazy. And the guys that were like the seniors and stuff, I was dunking and stuff. But that was a year I put on. I grew like five feet, like in one year. Yeah, like that one year, <laughs> my shins hurt like crazy. I remember my poor daughter now, my five year old has that because she's going to be like nine feet tall. Oh, really? Her shins hurt, yeah, because she's growing so much. In the jeans. At five, yeah. Well, this interview did not disappoint. <laughs> Sorry, I think we it's one of those things. <laughs> yeah, so it's one of those interesting things about podcasting that, like, you see people, friendly faces, and just this community I've been a part of since 2014. And some people come and go, and then you start to see the same folks week in and week out. And I know we've exchanged pleasantries and be like, hey, nice to see you. Or I know you've made some nice comments about the show. And I'm just like, you know what, this is this is why I have this show, because I basically, selfishly enough, it's like, oh, I'm going to talk to Mike some more. And I want to have a long, relaxing conversation that's not, where we're not distracted and looking over like, oh, I see someone behind your shoulder, or you see someone behind my shoulder, or, or there's noise about us, or we're at the party and you can't even hear each other. So I think that's what's going to keep me going with this show, just my opportunity to just connect with the people that I want to learn and get to know better in the podcast. I think it's magic the wet for you. And I mean, for anyone who has a podcast that's interested it's great it's fun to listen to your podcast because of that because it's like some of them are so different i mean obviously this one's gonna be real i was just listening to one this morning one of yours when i went to the gym this morning i was listening to the woman who was on lynette the other day was it lynette who was like a marketing person yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and i was just like oh my god what am i gonna talk about and i was like <laughs> completely somebody's listening to this now going who the hell is this guy why is he <laughs> anyway yeah, I think the takeaway that I always want to remind people is just you never know what you're going to hear about on the episode. Like you'll see something about your bio, but it's we'll probably not, you know, not talk about any of that. So. Yeah, yeah. I do know a lot about podcasting, but it's like I always think like if anyone wants to reach out and ask a podcasting question, I'm happy to talk to them about podcasting, but it's like. Well, yeah. So I just definitely want to give the opportunity if you, because you have a specific, I mean, you've all this experience and obviously the life you've lived before podcasting, but you know, this thing about with associations and meetings. And so, you know, where's the best place for folks to connect with you if they want to just ask you if anything here resonated and they want to connect with you? I think on Twitter, my, it's okay. M McAllen, M-M-C-A-L-L-E-N at Twitter. And that was maybe Twitter. And then I have a, anyone can email me at Mike at podcasting for associations. I mean, that's good. And anyone can call me too, if they want. And that's the number four or F-O-R? In the number four in the middle there. Yeah. I couldn't get the F4. That's one of the things you got to be clear of in podcasting because it's audio, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you. Yeah. But thanks so much, Harry. It was really fun to talk to you. Yeah, yeah. I really appreciate your time and I really appreciate you sharing your story. And I know that as we get older, it's an opportunity for folks that maybe just are getting into podcasting or just understanding that there's no straight line to where you want to go. If, if you just follow, I mean, it seemed for me the constant thread here was just you following your passion. And that's what's been inspiring for me to hear. And I'm really appreciate you taking the time to share your story. Thank you so much for having me. It's been fun. Fun to chat. Thanks. Thanks again to Mike for coming on the show. Always appreciate him and any of my podcast guests when they come on to share a full hour of their time with me. I'm honored to share space with them. 
Intro and outro music composed by Cedar and Soil, cedarsoil.com for his full list of music. Don't forget to check out our sponsor, Focusrite, and their awesome line of gear, specifically the new Vocaster line. Learn more at podcastjunkies.com forward slash Vocaster and tell them Harry sent you. Podcast production and marketing provided by Fullcast. Learn more at fullcast.co. If you've made it this far, you're no doubt looking for this week's retention hashtag. Let's go with Fireman Mike. Fireman Mike, hashtag Fireman Mike, and tag him at M McCallen, that's M M C A L L E N, and us at podcast underscore junkies. As always, thanks for everything you do to support the show. Really appreciate it. Talk to you next week. <laughs>